Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe, for this week's episode of KMA Talk Radio, episode number 403, with my trusty sidekicks, the Southpaw from South Philly. Oh, like, like that, I mixed it up, the order. Um, <laughs> you messed me up. Yes, it did. Alex Tava and the Italian scallion himself, none other than Paul DeGracco. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's your Saturday morning uh, starting out? Paul, you always have an interesting morning, so you go first. Uh, yeah, I, uh, we woke up at uh, 6 a.m., I guess it is. The boys woke up, and uh, it was a little bit uh, of craziness here because uh, my wife has been trying to get the kids out of here for for the show because if you haven't noticed in the background, sometimes you can hear them screaming. So we have uh, we have successfully gotten them out of the house today, and they are uh, at swim lessons. We did a makeup swim lesson. Good man, day. but uh, yeah, good man. So I have the house to myself. I just have the two dogs here. You live in Florida. You have to teach your kids how to swim early. Absolutely. Oh yeah, they've been they've been going. I think uh, Axel started at four months. Eli started at uh, six months. And they're still taking lessons? What are you teaching them, Olympic uh, backstroke? Well, we didn't do what you did. I, I think you did the more, like, severe, like, throw them in the water. and they have Yeah, to one week they were edge. swimming. Yeah, that's what I did to Carmine. Throw them in, swallow some water, drown. Yeah, and get one week and they're swimming. That's it, yeah. He's, the kid, he's, he's doing, like, more. He's almost driving like next month. You're still giving him swimming lessons? Right. No, no. They, they Well, the baby can't swim yet, but, but Axel's swimming. He swims really good. What's the lesson still for, then? Uh, you know, fun stuff, I guess. I don't know, man. My wife likes to spend money on things. Okay. Well, then just say that. I, uh, you, know. You, you know, it's interesting. What time did you say you got up? Six? Six, yeah. Right. See, because I had this fear going on. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, for uh -oh. those that don't know, I have a kid on the way. But Carmine, my son, even when he was a baby, he'll sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, he'll sleep all day. Um, I never had to be, oh, I've been up since five o'clock. The kid was up. And so like with this new child, I'm hoping he has Carmine sleeping patterns. You know, I never had to be that up at 4 a.m. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of got lucky. It might all go south in the next few months. Dude, you're so screwed. <laughs> I know. Everybody's going to be up at 4 a.m. Right. I'm telling you, I, got, I don't know what it was. Carmine would sleep till 10 o'clock still. Yeah, that's 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 just pure luck. That's uh, yeah. it was it was called abnormal parenting. That's what it was called. You had Carmine shucking oysters with us at two in the morning one time. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we got a bag of fresh oysters. Alex gets off of work, comes to my house. We're shucking oysters at two in the morning, and Carmine's sitting there eating them. With right. Him. And at this point, Carmine oh, is like at the tender age of two. So it's me, yeah. Abe, and Carmine. It's like 2.30 in the morning. And we're hanging out chucking oysters. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. 
So you went to the festival I'm to, I'm, last night, I hear. Well, I went to the zoo lights. Well, yeah, whatever. Festival zoo lights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went I went to the zoo lights and I, and uh, I heard you went in like total wino mode. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we have a new advertiser on the show and I'll give them I'll give them a little shameless plug here. They sent us uh the membership that that we're pitching. That's this bottle of wine right now. They it's sent us, the they sent us meanwhile Paul has all the wine. Clearly. I do have all of it. I well, I said I'd bring it over to you, but it just wasn't. It didn't work out for our schedules. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they sent us. They sent us this bottle of wine, Sonal, that is a Malbec from Argentina. But it the the thing about it is that it's from the second or third highest altitude vineyard in the world. So it's eight thousand nine hundred fifty feet, I think. Wow. But what that means is. When the vines are under, the more stress that the vines are under, the more uh, the the more concentrated the nutrients and and flavors get in the grapes. So, and they use no added um, irrigation. So it's it's only the snow melt from the mountains in Argentina and and whatever rain they get. Now, so, uh, is, which is, is this a fact that you know that you knew? Yeah. Or your sommelier wife have to explain all this to you. Oh no! Why my wife told me everything. Yeah, okay. but when I when I showed her the wines, she was she was like, "Oh my god, yeah, the Malbecs from Argentina." Because apparently the the grapes that are in Argentinian wine, like the the Bordeaux grape, it really the original Bordeaux grapes from France. Because when when blight hit Europe in you know two hundred years ago, they lost everything, but it had already gotten its way to South America. So the original vine went to South America. What's in Europe now was replaced by American generational versions of the French version. So the American wine industry helped save the the European wine industry like 200 years ago because they had taken uh, vines from uh, from Europe many, 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 many years before that. So it's a fun little story. I did not so know technically, that. Technically, you're getting... Uh, more the most French Bordeaux you could possibly get from Argentina, if that makes sense. But anyway, I I was actually a skeptic. These guys are really good guys, and we drank the bottle last night at the zoo. It was oh, awesome. please please tell us how you drink a bottle of wine at the zoo. What was it in coffee cups? <laughs> I have the cups somewhere in the other room, but it wasn't a coffee cup. We have these plastic to go cups that they're they're regular hard plastic. But they have, uh, they look like a red solo cup with lids on them. So I just opened the bottle. I brought the wine key in the trunk while the kids were in the stroller. I was, I opened, I corked the the bottle. I poured it into the two glasses. Our cousins came too, so we we split with them. We didn't drink the whole bottle ourselves. So but, there you, uh, there you are walking around acting like you're drinking coffee or uh, soft drink, and you guys are winding up as you're carrying your children around. Hold I'm walking wine. around like I'm being a model, a model parent. Like, look at me. I'm taking my kids to the zoo. Meanwhile, I'm sucking down wine. How did you yeah. like it, though, Paul? I actually, I, I have to say, and I am a skeptic because I've had Chilean wines that I don't really like, and I'm an old world snob. I actually really, really liked this. This is my flavor palette because my, the I was talking to our guest that's coming on later about this. I like old world wines so that like musty. Um, earthy is a bad word to use, but earthy, earthy. earthy flavor, like full flavored wines, not too much spice on them. 
and a lot of old world Italian wines have that, like the you know a, a Chianti or the Sangiovese grape in in particular, and uh, and I love Bordeaux as well. And and I'm not a huge Malbec fan, but this is a full Malbec, man. And this is one of the ones that you get in the sampler that you can get now uh, if you go to uh, either KMATalkRadio.com and and click the Bonner Private Wines banner, or if you go he oh man, see look. I messed up. Or if you go here right, go on. to uh, kmawines.com, it's not a clickable link, but you can go to kmawines.com and you'll get a 50% off deal uh, on shipping from, from KMA Talk Radio. It's a good Christmas gift, actually, to be honest. I want my bottle. You got a couple bottles. I, I don't know how many are going to make it over to your house. I know. You better get them sooner <laughs> than later. It's going to be less and less. It's got to be sooner than later. No, I have yours all packed in like their vacuum sealed packaging. You vacuum sealed in- the bottles? Wow. No, I did not. They they sent it in like this big styrofoam cooled package. And I'll tell you what, they were sitting outside for a while. When I took the wines out, they were cool still. So they went right in my wine fridge, but yours yours are sitting in my cool garage right now. <laughs> and uh I'll bring them I'll bring them over later today. Yeah, I'll right. be I'll be home. I'm going home after the show. I think today is Gingerbread House Day. Oh, um, ooh! I got out of that. Now let me ask you: Do you buy the prefab gingerbread houses, or do you guys make everything? From we scratch? make it. We always make it. And it's really funny because wow. I get, I get, Not this, I, um, I get this like vision of grandeur every year. Like I'm going to make this Notre Dame Cathedral. Yep. You know, gingerbread house because you know, cre- creativity, cre- creatively wise, I could, I could probably do it. And then I get like an hour and a half in it, and I just start slapping everything together. Let's finish this. Because you're, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Allison is saying I'm still drinking wine. No, I promise you that I am. I am drinking coffee right now. What's in the I, cup? I get this morning. But I mean, every year I've done this. Like I, I know how to melt the Jolly Ranger candies to make the stained glass and. You know, I, I oh, you do all that? Oh my god! That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I've researched how to make like literally like the Notre Dame Cathedral of gingerbread houses, and I start out with this great like motivational, you know, fury. I'm going to do this, and then like literally an hour and a half later, my house comes out like that big and just slopped together. <laughs> because you're, you're not just doing your house; you're doing like every other kid, every kid's house, and you're helping. Oh, no, your older daughter, your older daughters make their own. Now, now the older two, yeah, I don't need help. The younger one, and, and I, I bet the are better. My son can't get anything on this house because it ends up getting eaten before he puts he it on the house. It. Yeah, yeah. Well. that's that's Axel last year. We put just buy the the box from Costco. You got to use the icing to put it together. Ain't nobody got time for baking and doing all that stuff. Well, Alex had a hell of a week this week. Closed up a lot of uh, big events at the shop this week. Oh, did silent. you? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we're over we, the hump. Where were you, Paul? Um, yeah, God, it was the last two weeks. It's been one event after the other, probably. And you know, pro- thank God it was the last one because Red Meat Lovers was absolute insanity, uh, which sold out, right? Sold out two hours. Yes, My God. I, honestly, we got a little blindsided by that one. Um, yeah, you know, the, the first one we did was 500, it was a 500 production, and it lasted a couple of months, you know. And we had put, I think, 50 bundles away for the great smoke. Steve wanted to make sure there was some there in February, but it lasted about you know a little, a little under a couple of months. So we got we said, okay, well, let's do a thousand next year, and we did a thousand in year two. And 
we were still selling them in June, you know, and, and we wanted them to run out because November was around the corner. So we're like, oh, we got to move these things. So we scaled back the meat box to about 600. The production was 600. And, it, and that thing sold out in two hours. And I got to tell you, I think next year it's going to be worse because we'll probably we'll up our production by next year. Because I think when these meat boxes land and people smoke them, I mean, I know it's the same blend and Sokka will tell you it's the same blend, but Sokka will also tell you just like I did and Evan Darnell did. Um, I find this one to be the, absolutely the best out of the three. I don't know if it's – did you get a chance to smoke one yet, Paul? No. You said you were going to bring me one when we went out to dinner, but you forgot. I did probably on purpose. So uh, <laughs> and and I logged on. I couldn't log on right at twelve because I was on a call. And, well, you uh, couldn't log on, on right at twelve anyway. anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so so I logged on later in the day, maybe around three thirty, and I saw. I was gone by that. Son of a bitch. Well, listen, I got some for you when I get my wines. It's called the exchange program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, that's that's actually worth it to me. I'll 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 do that trade because I still have a couple other bottles of wine to try. But yeah, yeah. I mean it's it sold out way way Insane. way way faster than we expected. And um, I mean we we literally could. I mean, look, you know, a lot of people like the sellout thing, right? They like the hype of it selling out and it being gone. And you know, don't get me wrong, I don't mind it either. But I've also since day one with all our micro blend selections. Always wanted to create something that would last a month or two because you, I don't like when you see these guys that post, oh, I couldn't get it. Or I want people who want to try the cigar or get the cigar, fans of the cigar, to be able to get it. You know, we just, you know, we're blown away that on this one caught, caught, caught blindsided. I literally had to put two boxes aside for me to last until next year. That's all I got. Wow, really? That's all? That's uh, it. It, it is gone. Um, I like you know, the idea of the box press too, though. Like I, that that size and that shape are are like perfect for me. That's why I mean, listen, the old Red Meat Lovers Club was awesome. It's the same blend, though, right? Same blend. Same blend, but I, you tell. And the first thing you notice is the amount of smoke that you can produce so easily, and I feel like that's why you get so much more flavor. It's it's really right. incredible coming from the box press. You know. You know, honestly, the, you know, look, we commissioned Saka to make a cigar that would go to Red Meat Lovers Club. So who am I to say when I got a guy who knows what he's talking about blending? So, you know, the original blend was a little bit of a bigger ring gauge than I would normally smoke myself. Yeah. You know, right. I love the flavor. Yeah. This one is, I mean, it's just my size. I really like it. So I got a feeling next year we're going to have to up the production just so it kind of lasts a little bit longer. But, yeah, that was a big thing. And that was kind of the end of our whirlwind storm between the Black Friday sale T fifty two league and estate event in Nicaragua and then the Red Meat Lovers Club. So you know, got a little breathing room. Chad Chad is asking if you did a I don't think it's got, I don't think a thousand would have sold out during it in a day. I think maybe like eight hundred, eight fifty would have. I, I think a thousand would have sold out in a week, a week week to two weeks tops. Yeah. Because what happens is, which I find that oddly enough, is there will be guys when these start landing and these start smoking. And people start talking about it. There'll be guys a week from now or two weeks from now seeing posts say, "Oh, I didn't know nothing about this," and then we'll go and look for it. So right, right. you know, there's always an ancillary hundred, hundred and fifty sale that could happen in the next seven to ten days if we had some available. But you know, unfortunately, there'll be disappointed people this year because uh, this thing just flew out the door. Yeah, we didn't even. What about if you did it in two releases? What if you did it in two releases? Like, did half now and half like 
a month later, or does that like, not work in this business? Well, I mean, had we, known, had we known, Paul, I mean, we didn't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had suspicions because Evan wanted to bet. I won a signed $5 bill before because Evan said the last release would sell in 30 days, and I took that bet, right? Right. So he had to sign over a $5 bill. He wanted to bet me this one would sell out in a day, and I was hesitant because yeah, after everybody talking about it, I said it was possible. Would I be shocked if it didn't know, but I thought it was possible, so I didn't bet him on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't see it coming, you know, but it just, it just blindsided us, which is, is, a, is a tribute to Steve and the product he makes. So it was a, a big success. Yeah. So, Unless you ask Steve, of course. Oh, oh, oh dude. if you got that video, you got to play I, it. Um, I can set. Uh, I do have it. I'll send, send it, it to me Paul, real quick. Oh, yeah, you got to play it. This, this, what this he, is what, what I happened? call Steve Saka in a nutshell. Yeah, this is we, we're gonna, <laughs> we work. Alex is working on a video. It's, we're going to title it Steve Saka in a nutshell. When dealing with gotta, Steve Saka, I just sent it to you. Well, I don't know. It's not going to be good. Hey, play, it, play it. Play it. Play it. Well, hold play on. It. It's going to take a minute for me to he play it. it so he sent it to me the other day. I almost died. <laughs> You got to give me a minute because I, yeah, I gotta got to remember how to. Like... But you know, it was so interesting, it, especially about. Give us an idea of what this is. Oh, you'll see it. It's not 50 it. seconds. It's, it's exactly only about five seconds. seconds. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, what was interesting, especially it was my first server crash, but what was real. And, and it, you know, what's funny. It, it's a nightmare when the server crashes, but it seems like a lot of our, our friends and patrons, like, like, that's what they hope for. Like, let's get everybody. I mean, it wasn't just a server crash. The damn server crashed before we even got the product live. There were so many people lingering and clicking just ready to go because they didn't want to miss out at 12 that when we tried to get the product up at 12, it all went to shit, but got up back very fast. And the funny thing is, it's crashing when we're already going into this, preparing. Right. Like Boosting. Everything up, we're ready to go. <laughs> you know, and, and, and all it needed was a reset, but that took you know, three, four minutes. Right. But we couldn't even but get the product. The favorite was, I mean, I, I remember I was, I was on the way into work and all of a sudden my <laughs> phone starts going. Now, let me ask you a question eh, before you say that. Do you all, you don't even have to look at those texts. You already know what's going I on. I know. Oh, as soon as it lit up, I know. <laughs> as soon as it lit up, I know. Because I'm going in thinking about it, man, I hope they don't crash. Right, right. It, it, it wasn't even, it was like, it wasn't even 12. It was like 1159 and, my fault. Everybody's informing. Um, I don't know uh, if you know this, but the website's down. I'm like, thanks. Oh, here we go. All right, here's the video. I think I can play it. Uh, hold on. I had to share my screen to do it. All right, here it goes. We can't oh, hear it. We got no audio, Paul. Uh, I don't know how to. You couldn't upload it. I can't download it because it's a dot move. I got it's got to be an MP4, I think. Yeah, no, it is an MP4. Actually, though, I it is. All right, not. we'll work on that. We'll see if we we'll can get that up. That. We'll see if we can get this up. It's, it's a good little teaser, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll see if we can get that up before the show's. Uh, before the show. The show was out. Yeah, before the show's say uh, TGS 2021 is underway. Um, Sets are being in production. Um, I wanted uh, to ask you, like, have you seen sets and, and things like that? Well, we just finalized the art. I mean, not oh, too long. I got it. Look, wait, wait, wait. I, no, I, 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 no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. 
Oh, that's what you sent me. Oh, okay. That's the original I had. Sorry. There. So I'm not very like, I'm like bare bones video type. So I go from like, like Windows app that I know and then move it to the iPad and use that app and then move it to another one to get, you know, I got to use like three, four different things to get to where I want to be. So that's not it. We'll get it. Oh, I got excited. So how, where where is the studio, Abe? I, nobody knows this. Okay, the, we we wanted to do it at the original uh, South Florida Fairgrounds where the events actually held. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the only Saturday they had available was the thirteenth, which is right before Valentine's Day. And you know, we felt that being on Valentine's Day weekend and Valentine's Day on Sunday, a lot of couples will be together out traveling, doing stuff, and it wouldn't have been a good day. So. We actually went back to an old venue that we had used originally when we used to do our annual poker tournaments, 150 people. And um, it's at the American Polish Club. Um, they have no idea what they're in for. <laughs> this crew is going to come in like Friday morning at 6 a.m. Oh, and start putting sets and lights and cameras together. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have no idea what they're in for. Um, and they're going to build it. There's three different staging areas. So they're really going to build the sets. And that's where we'll broadcast the show live. We have a limited amount of space for a, a live audience. So there'll be, I think, about 50 people in a live audience. And, um, in fact, we're getting renderings made this week because I, I, I want the I, – I know you're probably trying to pull up the studio set, Paul, or but you look like you're working on it. But I want, I want to get the studio set done with the final art of what it's actually going to look like. So I have some renderings being worked out this week. But uh, it's the one that I have is not the, the one that I have is not the right one. Well, it's, it, it, that's the one done by the production company, so it doesn't have like what the art will really look like, what the backdrops will look like, and and whatnot. That's done by the art. Uh, oh, good, because I can't find it anyway. To figure out the basic, <laughs> but um, tickets are selling every day. You know, we still got a lot of tickets in room, so you know people are still trickling in. But um, we're excited. We're working diligently on it, and uh, a little nervous, but uh, we're very excited about the Great Smoke Twenty Twenty One. We're we're hoping to make some legitimate. Cigar industry history here. Yeah, there it is. That's the set. That's dude. That's like real deal, man. That's this is like a, a real TV show. Look at the camera on the crane. That's called a boom. Oh, that's the boom <laughs> mic. No, no, no. But it's got a camera on a boom. That's a camera on a boom, boom. Or I guess it's a crane. I don't know. I was, I was, I was gonna call it a boom. It maybe it is. I don't know. What I mean. Yeah, but that camera is gonna be swinging around, going through the different sets. You know, they got a couple Dude, cameras. This is like the real deal, man. Yeah, that's cool. We want it to look like a Tonight Show broadcast. You know, that's gonna be awesome. And we're very, very excited about some of the really specialty projects that some select manufacturers are making for this event. You know, we got Carlito Fuente, Steve Saka, Pete Johnson, Nick Perdomo. Aganorsa and now Rockies come on board. And they're making very limited runs. It's going to be like a hundred units. That's it. And a and a special guest host, right? And well, we have my, we, well, we haven't announced the two other. Uh, oh, right. There's going to be four hosts in total. It'll be me and Michael Herklotz. We're honored to have Michael Herklotz involved. And then um, you know, women. I mean, look, perfect timing, Chrissy. True. Women are a, and Allison. Look at this. What great timing. <laughs> women are predominant fixture in this industry and you know, i don't know if people yeah. haven't figured it out yet they have been for a while and you know you know the, the misnomer that this is a male dominated thing it's not women are become women are being recognized i don't even want to say become because i believe they've been around for a long time there's more recognized now is their involvement and 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 the, the love of this lifestyle so we have um two florida-based 
women who are in the cigar media world and we'll be announcing them next week who will also be co-hosts to this event. I mean, it's eight hours. We need a few co-hosts, you know, and there's a lot of moving on. There's a lot of moving around between the sets and the interactivity between the people sitting in the crowd, but uh, we hope to have fun with it. And if, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're out there listening, which if you really don't know what I'm talking about at this point, you got to be living under a rock, but go to thegreatsmoke.com, watch the video, see what it's about. If you haven't gotten your ticket, get it. The value of the ticket and what you're going to get is, is a, the most probably greatest deal you're going to find on the internet. And by getting that ticket, you'll be included to be able to purchase some of these rare limited stuff that these select manufacturers are making and taking advantage of very special promotions that we have every year during the Great Smoke. So, And everybody knows that that's, that's a time, too, because I see guys walking out of there from the first year that I went to the Great Smoke with, I mean, stacks of boxes of cigars because the deals are so good. There, well, there's a few guys that wait to make a lot of their box orders for that event. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the way we see it is a lot of these people spend hard money flying. I mean, we do have a local, but over the years, I mean, I, I think it's close to 50-50 almost as far as the amount of people coming into the country from our local crowd. And, um, you know, they should be able to take advantage of incredible yeah. deals. You know, we've always had some pretty incredible deals at the Great Smoke that you're right, people do take advantage of. So, so we're trying to cool. we're trying to do this by now. You stay at home, so you could save the money on airfare that you would have spent, save the money on hotel. We ship you basically everything you would have gotten had you come down. Plus, I mean, this is probably one of the coolest packages we've ever put together in 15 years for the Great Smoke, and it's not even done. I'm still working with companies and negotiating on stuff that's going to go in that box, but um, you get everything you would have gotten, and you get to take advantage of the deals as if you were there. And, um, you know, by getting that ticket, you'll be, uh, you'll have that opportunity. And I, I'm really looking forward. I got to be honest with you about half the guys who are making very limited stuff. I know what they're doing. The other half, I don't know what they're doing. They haven't even told me. Right. True. See, you I know, like Car that. Carlito Fuente keeps teasing me and telling me how it's going to be, but I don't even know exactly what he's making. So it should be pretty interesting. I'm just excited everybody else to find out what some of these guys are making for the great smoke. The one nice thing about this industry as we pivoted during COVID is the the ask as a retailer, when you ask them for support on stuff like this, everybody's been very receptive, right? Yeah. They, they understand the situation. They understand, okay, they're, they're happy that we as a company has opted not to do the event and tried to find a way to do it, you know, extraordinarily special. And they've all been very awesome about jumping on board and saying, look, that's awesome. We want to figure out something special to make and, it's been very. It's been a very cool experience, even with retailers. I know two retailers who are doing host parties in their shops around the country. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's that's awesome. I like that. That's yeah. incredible. That's right. like unprecedented. You know, absolutely to get support from guys who you know have their own Look, product. So I I've always been very open about other retailers because I really believe it's just all one community at the end of the day. You know, we all do things differently, and you're going to have people that like what you do and. You can have people who don't like what you do. There are people out there who don't like what I do. That's that's just the way it goes. But, you know, us as KMA, we've always supported God. We've done what? The Tampa City Cigar Bash, Draper's Little Smoke, Bruce City Cigar Festival in, in, in uh, Wisconsin. We've done our 300th episode at uh, uh, Davidoff. Cutters. Uh, 200th at Davidoff, Jeff's uh, store in Tampa. 300. So we've, I've always been, I mean, a lot of my good friends are retailers that we interact with. So I've always kind of been open that way. Um, and over the years, 
it's cool because I'm, I'm meeting and seeing a lot of other retailers with that kind of mentality, which I, I honestly. It is cool. It I is cool. I would never expect. I would never expect the camaraderie of like, I know that uh, Chrissy and Curtis in, in Simpsonville, uh, Kentucky, uh, what is the uh, executive cigar lounge? Executive. They, like, they play the show. They were fans forever before I even realized they were retailers. <laughs> yeah. You know? So um, it, it, it's it's cool. And I, 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 I honestly am a firm believer that, and exactly what Chris said, we all lift each other up together. You know, I think, you, I think you, I think when you lift people in the industry and I'm always getting called for advice and I'll always answer. I mean, people are shocked that I'll reply because when I needed advice, people gave it to me. You know, right. I think when you lift the industry as a whole, you, you do, you lift it as a whole. So, um, I think I've always gotten better by helping people and I think people have gotten better by helping me. So it's a great thing to see. So we're really hoping to pull some history off of the great smoke 2021. Hey, uh, Alex made some magic happen. And we yeah, that's the right video. Steve Sock in a nutshell. All right, here we go. Good evening, everybody. Honest Abe here from Smoking Headquarters in Boynton Beach, Florida. Kudos to you, Steve, for making one hell of a stick. Well, they actually don't know that the stick's any good at it yet. Oh, and man. that sums it up. That sums it up right there. Was he always that way? Yeah. yeah. Uh, our guest, our guest one, our guest is chiming in, shaking his head, saying yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, we should bring on that. our guest. You bring on a guest. <laughs> ask, ask him. Right. Listen, we're we're excited to have on the show once again a guy that's that's been a friend to KMA since I've been around since since it started. I think he was on like the the one of the first five episodes. Uh, Nick Melillo from Foundation Cigar Company. Welcome to the show, Nick. Nick. Guys, th thanks for having me. I don't know if you guys planned this, but Abe, five years ago was like yesterday or today that I was on for Will Wednesday when I first really? launched. Nope. Yeah, it just came it just came up in my memories. I'm, oh, I'm, that's cool. I'm still yeah, waiting, was, I'm still waiting to do the live remote from the castle. I'm castle. Let's do it. Let's do it. What, wait, before we start, Abe, is it your birthday? <laughs> if, you ask, <laughs> if you ask Joel Larson, it's my birthday every day. But no. okay. Every Saturday he says birthday. that. And I, Happy birthday. Yeah, every Saturday he says that. He's been doing it for a year, and, and like people still haven't caught on. Can we swear <laughs> on this thing? Can we swear? Swearing not allowed? Absolutely. Yes, All we right. can swear. Excellent. Wait, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having before me. Before yeah. you respond, Nick, I'm going to make you watch it again because we got a couple of requests to see that clip again. Play that clip one more time, and then we can ask Nick what, what he thinks about it. Go ahead. Okay. Good evening, everybody. Honest Abe here from Smoking Headquarters in Boynton Beach, Florida. Kudos to you, Steve, for making one hell of a stick. Well, they actually don't know that the stick's any good at it yet. <laughs> I love that. That sums it up. That sums it up. That's about right. I was he always he was, like that? I think he was born, you know, he was, years ago, he was in my office one day, and he was, like, in the corner self-reflecting, and he said, he was, like, talking to himself, and he's like, why am I always sometimes negative and, you know, pessimistic <laughs> or something like that? And I turned and I looked at him, I'm like, oh, I know, what, what, were you born like that? Like, what, what, has this always been the case? I think it's just always been, that's Steve. That's Steve in a nutshell. It's, it's like I'm 10, though, because he's way more in the public eye now. 
So it's yeah. like 10. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah. He's cranked up. He's a he, character. Congratulations with that, uh, the meat lovers. It looks, uh, I'd love to smoke one at, at, at some point. It looks great. Packaging's cool. Thank so, you. Yeah, yeah, we did the packaging on our end. Steve wanted nothing to do with it. Really? <laughs> nice. No, are well, you yeah, serious? Yeah, well, you know, you listen to me. You know Steve, he's got he's got a lot going on, so he has a routine. The second, yeah. the second I said, look, since we knew we were going with a box press, I said, look, I'm thinking of calling it Meat Box. We're going to make these boxes. Where, and, and, you know, I, right away I started hearing, well, so that means I got to start making the box. <laughs> I just said, look, I got it. Don't worry about it. Just ship them to me in cellophane. My team will handle it. We'll make the boxes on our end. There's a company that we've used before for boxes, and um, they came out good. We like it. But you didn't pack them in the States, did you? No? State time? No, we didn't. Oh, okay. I'm dying. What? <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Better That's to be self-depreciating than self-depreciating. you got to be careful. He might report us. Oh, God. <laughs> That's not how we do it at Santa Clara. Uh, oh, God. Good God. Are oh, you going to hear about that? So, Nick, you've been you've been on quite a bit. and uh, It's know, been a while, though. You guys time. got a great setup going on right now. I love the uh, intro. And uh, I don't think I've been on in a little while. A little bit different. Well, you were on. I think he was. I think Nick, you were our second guest on Skype when we first when the when we, when this first whole thing happened. Oh, that's right. That's home. right. Early on. Right. So, so that was what six months I'm ago mistaken. or something. Yeah, but, that makes sense. You know, Nick and I were talking a little bit before the show with, during the pre-interview and and whatnot. And I spoke to Abe. We never really on the show and i went back to other episodes to see because you have been on the show the first time you were on the show you were still with drew estate uh yep. the second time you were on the show was when you were starting foundation and coming out with eloise but yep. we never really talked about your your you know your tenure at drew estate and how you got there and and when you left and and what made you decide to to build your own brand so I wanted to to kind of touch on that because you have a cool story about how you met Jonathan and how you guys ended up starting to work together, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I met him for the first time in probably 97, I want to say 97-ish, 98, when I was working uh, a cigar shop in Connecticut called the Calabash Shop. And he had just started the company. He first had, they come out with a brand called Samero. I don't know if you remember that one, Abe. That was really early on it um i didn't end up taking it into the shop but the sales rep kept coming back and then we finally took in a cigar that they made called la vieja habana which perdomo was making at the time so i met john in the store one saturday yeah it's got to be 97 98 and you know i just gotten an email address i started uh university so we we exchanged contact information he actually sent me the original paper that I wrote my number and email on from like 90, 97 he had, he found in like a box. Um, so we just kept in touch from for about five years um, till about 2002 when I was traveling around the world. Um, I left school, got a job in Italy in about 2002. And then I decided I didn't want to go back to to a classroom. I was working on my master's degree, but after I got the travel bug, it was tough to sit in a classroom. So I 
I got a job in Italy, and then I I bought an around the world ticket to go from Europe to India to Southeast Asia. I uh, traveled overland to, down the Mekong River into Laos, Vietnam, wow. um, China, and then Japan. So I actually talked to Jonathan at the beginning of my trip when I was in Europe. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm traveling around the world for the next 10 months. And he said, well, let's touch base when you're coming around the globe, like when you're on your way, way back. So when I was in Japan, he sent me a one sentence email. Give me a call. I obviously have some serious shit to talk to you about. So I called John up from Japan and, you know, John, he's very animated. Bro, I want you to come to Nicaragua. I want you to be my right hand in, in Nicaragua. Come to, you know, you're going to, this is going to go on. This is going on. So that's kind of where it, where it started. So after traveling around the world for, you know, 10 plus months, I landed in San Francisco, took a train from San Francisco to Colorado, flew to Connecticut to see my family, which I hadn't seen in almost a year, and sprung the news on them that I was probably moving to Nicaragua. So that's kind of how it. What did yeah. they say about that? They, at that point in time, had become a little bit more accustomed to my traveling because that's all I knew at an early age. I knew a couple things. I loved cigars and I wanted to travel and see the world. And right. so I, I kind of, you know, in, in university, I was just working, uh, going to class. When I wasn't in class, I was running the cigar shop. And I just saved all my money. I wasn't, you know, I didn't drink at that time, wasn't into the party scene and just saved up all my money and, and just knew I wanted to travel. And that led me to Nicaragua. And this is, this is the first time in 17 years that I've been in the States actually this long. Um, so, you know, the majority of my time has been in Nicaragua since 2000, 2003, but it was, you know, it was an exciting, exciting time. And I think at that time, you know, in 2002, Nicaragua hadn't yet become, you know, what it is now in the cigar world or didn't have as much tourism or traveling. So I think the light bulb went off in John's head when he sees me going through Southeast Asia. I think he made the uh, right assumption that, oh, this guy will probably come down to Nicaragua and live in Nicaragua. <laughs> So he was right. He's a guy I can get to, to hang out in Esteli for me. Right, right. For a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, the company was, was a, you know, maybe a tenth of its size. We were working out at Perdomo's old, old house. Perdomo had just built his new factory. Um, his old yeah. factory was the first building factory for you guys, right? Correct. Yeah. The one that was right, right in, you know, not too far from the center of town. Um, it's basically an old house that the back end was was kicked out. We started knocking down walls, putting in rolling tables. And, you know, the company was just really at the beginning of just some massive growth. So um, I jumped in the deep end, man. But I was I was totally excited because I my plan was traveling on the world. Coming uh, back, my next plan was to travel through Central America. And my dream was to learn how to bunch and roll cigars. So um, I had Perfect. visited, I had visited the Camacho factory the year before, and that really 
you know, that, that set me totally in love with just the production tobacco, you know, side of things. So, you know, 24, I'm, I'm in the north of Nicaragua around, you know, amazing cigar makers, people I admired, read about, and here I am in the, in the midst of it all. I think no. that's around the same time that I met Abe, somewhere around there. Early on, yeah. Now, when yeah. you went down there, what, 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 what did you know about tobacco? So I, I only knew the, I knew nothing about like the production side of things. So I knew the product. That's about it. So I was totally fresh, and that's kind of what it was interesting about the company because all the, the the people in the company at the time, I was 24. The GM of the factory was 24. The oldest person in the operation was probably the accountant in Nicaragua. He was probably 35 at that time, but I didn't, I didn't know anything. I mean, the first six months I would just work in every department. I'd be in the production floor. Um, I'd be in Spanish class at seven, eight o'clock on the production floor. I spoke fluent Italian. So I was speaking in Italian to people when I first went down there. Cause you could at least it overlaps. It's Latin. Latin it, language. it overlaps. Yeah. You can, you can get by. It's better than English. Um, and then, you know, I just nestled in Abe and just started learning, you know, from all these amazing tobacco guys, from all these amazing people, you know, families, Nicaraguan people that families have been, you know, working in the industry forever. And then just going and, and meeting, you know, all of these guys, you know, that were running production and I would just listen, you know, still, still to this day, you know, I, I'm just learning constantly. And that's what I was doing constantly. But, you know, people have very strong opinions in the industry. So you'd go to one guy and he'd say, this is how you do it. That guy's totally wrong. That's not how you do it. Then you go to that guy and he said, this is how you do it. That guy's totally wrong. And then, you know, everybody has their strong opinions, but I was just starting to take you know, bits and pieces um, and all these different styles and techniques and kind of develop um, our own kind of unique techniques, uh, if you, that makes sense. Did you ever ask yourself, or even better yet, did you ever ask John, um, why you, right? 18 years in retail, you know, no experience really farming or tobacco, and why you to go down to Nicaragua? I think for one, I was willing to go down. Two, he knew I knew what the final product needed to be. Um, the other part is the company was tiny, right, Abe? So he didn't, if you were going to get somebody with a lot of experience, you would have had to gotten that person from another company. And that person's salary would have been very, very large. So I, I think the company was really small. And I think John just took a chance. You know, I think he, his idea at the time was if he doesn't work out, okay, you know, it's not going to be a huge, you know, a huge, you know, yes, exactly. And he didn't know I'm, you know, a total fucking beast. And, you know, I, I had an international business degree and my love for cigars, you know, runs really deep within my family. So I was out to also prove myself. So, you know, there was no, you know, John's a very artistic guy. There was no planning side. I'm an organizational freak too. You know, there was no formal production planning. There was no, you know, any of these systems set in place. So 
I just really worked well with the GM who's still at the factory. His name is Manuel Rubio. I mean, he's without him, I probably wouldn't have survived. The whole team welcomed me in with open arms and we just really started to work really well together. Um, you know, they kind of understood that I was bringing the perspective from the, the retail and that part of the business, which a lot of people are, you know, don't have that perspective down there because they're always on the production, that side of the business. So being able to bring the person, okay, why does the, the head have to be this? Why can't you have too much vein? Why, why these things, you know, explaining and shedding kind of awareness on why these, we do certain things, I think helped a lot, especially in quality control, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just, it just started to work, man. Um, I think working with teams, you know, that's, that's the biggest, you know, hurdle is how you get along with people. And, you know, if you get different personalities that don't work, you know, it just doesn't work. And I was just totally open to just learning about everything. I was, you know, it was like a dream, dream come true to be able to be around, you know, all these amazing people. So I was and with the things that were fun. happening at the time there, right? I mean, you guys, it, it really, I mean, they call it the a revolution, but it kind of, it kind of was like, we, we talked about with John when he was on that, like that people, my, my age, that was, that was the premium cigar we were introduced to when we were 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, that my first, you know, I had smoked cigars before, but, but they were like uh, what my grandfather would smoke, like Toscanos and, and things like that. Yeah. My first real, what I would consider premium, premium cigar was an acid Cuba Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the marketing was geared towards, towards that, that, that younger demographic, especially for acid. But, um, Fast forward then now, so you were there until what, 2014? Yeah, May May 9th, 2014. Um, oh, wow, I, you, know, I, you know the day. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, it was a big decision in my life, you know, right. being, I started 2003, you know, we, we, you know, went from one of the smallest factories to the largest factory in Nicaragua by the time I left in 2014. So if you can imagine you know, the weekends, the nights, the, um, you know, everything the team went through, you know, living in a foreign country is different than working, you know, in the country you're from. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, things, things became more difficult as time went on. At the beginning, it was like new, you know, unique and exciting to be in another country. I think as time went on, things get, get a little bit more different, difficult, but, um, you know, to, aid, to go back to your original question, I didn't know anything about Nicaragua before moving down there. I landed in San Francisco after traveling around the world for 10 months, the day before the Iraq war protest started in San Francisco. So the next day there was 200,000 people in the streets of San Francisco and I was fighting through crowds trying to find a book about Nicaragua. <laughs> Um, because I knew I was going to be traveling there the next month. And I really, besides cigars, I didn't know much about Nicaragua in general. And, Just to put this in perspective, yeah, how many years straight did you basically live in Nicaragua? So the majority of my time until 2000, I would say end of 2015, 85% 
was down in Nicaragua. Since then, it's been more half, you know, half and half because I'm, you know, learning and managing the sales and distribution side, which has been a great learning experience for me. Because before that, I it was strictly production, fermentation, quality control. You know, I, you know, maybe came up for the great smoke, uh, you know, every once in a while. And, you know, those were the only uh, event. I would never really do events besides the IPCPR slash PCA and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I think the first time it was like two years straight before I left. And then I left for like, you know, 15 days. And then I would, I would leave like every eight, six, eight weeks for a couple of weeks and then come back, um, you know, just to see family and, and stuff like that. Do you have a so. place in Nicaragua? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You got a you got a groupie who wants to know how old are you and if you're single. <laughs> Mrs. Briggs. <laughs> Mrs. Briggs, did she get hacked? Mrs. Briggs, <laughs> I'm actually becoming a Mormon next month. Not for more <laughs> really? men, but for more women. Yeah. <laughs> terrible thing. All right. Uh, I I am single. Yeah. How old am I? I am forty two. Yeah, forty two. So I, I started in the industry in 96, I was 18 and wow. mo moved down to Nicaragua is 24, just about to turn 25. So yeah, ever since I was legally able, I got in the industry, you nice. know? You know, it's the coolest thing, you know, I just, just totally in love with cigars and it definitely started with my grandfather having a cigar with him for the first time you know, being able to sit and literally listen about World War II war stories and, you know, just really get into that whole experience of smoking cigars and then work in the store, you know, you meet so many different people, you know, learn just so much about life. Um, and it's almost like your your own podcast in the stores, right? You're, you're talking to people, not just about cigars, you're, you're hearing, you know, all different stories and and people coming from all different walks of life and uh just fell in love with it you know early on and just dedicated my life to it ever since so yeah yeah that's that's a that's a pretty Maybe awesome story yeah, man. <laughs> chrissy chrissy apparently calls you baby yoda so i like that i like that so I hear there's a story. I think we may have talked about this before, but we always, oh, have, God. We always have new listeners. So there's a story where you almost killed Steve Saka. Oh, I oh, definitely haven't God. heard this. Oh, God. <laughs> you, did he tell you that story? I heard it through the All grapevine. Right. So never this, heard this. So Steve was, Steve was coming down to Nicaragua. We, I think we had meetings in Miami. So this time around, we ended up flying down to Nicaragua for meetings with an accountant and an assistant at the time. So the flight takes off from, from Miami, you know, in the, in the evening, it was an evening flight and I passed out. Now I can sleep on planes. I, I hit the chair and I, I pass out. So I wake up about 20 minutes into the flight and we're still really low to the ground and we've turned around and we're heading back to the Miami air airport. There was some sort of technical problem with the airplane. Long story short, we we end up flying out at like two in the morning or one in the morning. So we didn't get to uh, to Managua, Nicaragua until because they were two hours behind around the same time. It was like 1 a.m. 
and the driver that we had sent to pick us up went already back to Esteli. So then Steve was like, we, you know, we have meetings tomorrow morning. Let's do we want to sleep in Managua, you know, and then go next morning, but we have to be up there early. We made the decision to drive to Esteli. We rented a car and it's now 2 a.m. and we got to drive two hours to Esteli. I chose to drive because I don't know if you guys ever dri driven with Steve. Abe, have you ever driven with Steve? I, I kind of try to avoid anybody really driving me down when I'm in same, Yeah, no, same here. I like to drive. And God bless God bless Steve, but he drives like a, a 90-year-old grandmother. The, uh, locals, <laughs> the locals driving you anywhere is scary enough, but you feel a little more confident because they're used to the insanity. That, I'm used know, to driving. That's coming from the States getting in behind the wheel. Right. Yeah. So I'm driving. I, I'm I'm ready. I'll do it. I'm I'm totally exhausted, but I got my game face on. I start to drive. Smooth drive the whole way there. In the entrance to Esteli, you go you go up into the Esteli Valley and then come down through the mountains. There's a section of the mountain that had slid off like a year before and they were working on the road still and it was just all dirt. Okay, the road was, this is, we're almost there. We're like five minutes away of getting into Esteli. So there was all this, it was like a dirt bike path. There was this huge mound of dirt in the middle of the, of the road. And I knew it was there because I had just been, you know, I was just there the week before. Steve, I think, knew it was there too. And something came over me. I was like quiet the whole way, just concentrating on making it safely because there's cows and horses in the street. You got to be careful of people. Mopeds. What's that? The moped drivers. The moped, yes. So it's you got to put your 100% attention. So I was so excited to be that we're finally making it there. I, for some reason, something possessed me and I screamed, off-road adventure and i slammed the <laughs> gas and steve goes you son of a and he knew it. he braced himself to the side of the the car and i slammed and we went flying like caught air over the jump the two people in the back their heads hit the ceiling i didn't i didn't realize they didn't have their their seat belts on but i knew we were going to be all right i had done this before so okay <laughs> so we go flying off the thing, hit. Okay, we're safe. So you, I, I just want to make sure I'm clear. Yeah, it was you, two other people, and Steve Saka, and you still caught here. Yeah, it's in pot. You can only imagine what the it was. I slammed the gas. I was going to say that had quite acceleration. Right, right. And I and I think the <laughs> because of the weight in the front of the car that that caused the back end to go up more. So they hit the, they hit the okay. So that was like on a Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we had a long week, all week meetings, meetings. And then he was flying out Saturday morning. I had uh, an event. Right. No, there was a live concert in another town called Lyon by the beach that I wanted to go to um, with a friend. So I ended up leaving Friday night to go to this concert by the beach, I wake up the next morning to a phone call. You know, I'm in the hotel, we had a long night, you know, a little bit of rum going down. My head is banging. I wake up, I get a phone call at like 9 a.m. 
and I'm like, I look at the phone, and it's Steve. Oh. And I'm like, oh god, I I, I can't. Gotta I gotta, answer it. I, no, I didn't answer. I was like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take a shower first and wake up. And so I go take a shower, and I'm gonna, and I hear my voicemail, and it says, "You motherfucker." Give me a call. He <laughs> was like, you motherfucker, I hate you. Um, give me a call. I'll tell you why. So I call him up. Steve, what's going on? What happened? He was on the side of the road because this tire, he got a flat on the way to the airport, <laughs> which he was blaming on the jump because I hit, you, were, you know, he, he you was blaming the whole flat. Yes. What kind of car was it? Do you remember? It was like a um, Maserati. No, it was a, a Toyota like Land Cruiser, but it didn't have the turbo, right. so it it would take it didn't have much juice at all. So like going up hills and stuff like that, it was. But it was a larger like, you know, Toyota. They call them Prados down there, which is almost like a Land Cruiser, but not. It's like in between a, a Land Cruiser and a uh, Forerunner kind of, uh, like Toyota Forerunner kind of Can thing. You imagine Saka and me like in a. Maserati or a Lamborghini, you would need the jaws of life to get us out of the car. We'd have to Vaseline it to get you in. Vaseline in, jaws of life out. <laughs> Those things are too low to the ground. I don't know how anybody drives them. Bro, I saw one the other day. I mean, it literally looked like you could go underneath another car. I don't know how. I, I could never be that comfortable driving that low, ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for cars that fast, they probably got to do three miles an hour over a speed bump just to not literally. The car. They probably can't go over some speed bumps. Right. No, yeah, I don't think they can. Well, anyway, it's a good time to segue. We do have to uh, take a short break here for our sponsors. And uh, after the break, we're going to have more with Nick Willow. And um, uh, Cigar Coop coming on today? Yeah, he is. Good stuff. Coop. We'll have more right after this. Don't go anywhere. Keep it lit. Hola a todos. Mi nombre es Elmer Suarez. De la Flor de Copán en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelín, Nicaragua. Hola, amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Chapman cigar is the Herman's Fudge. Favorite H. Chapman is the H. Chapman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito is H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Chapman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Hurricane Iota. Hurricane Iota. Hurricane Iota. Hurricane Iota. A humanitarian crisis is unfolding in Central America tonight. Honduras is being hammered by powerful winds. Hi guys, my name is Raul Flores. I'm marketing director here. My name is Baba Bowie. You might know me as Tyler. Guys, we want to thank you so much for your donations for Hurricane Eta. Uh, we were almost right there with the 10,000, but aren't those rookie numbers, man? Dude, those are rookie numbers, man. Listen, we made the $9,100. We got Christian. He's matching that number. And we're work and we're talking to people right now from Conchita Foods. Wait, Conchita Foods aren't those the guys that compete with uh, Goya? Yeah, man. Listen, I'm from Virginia, and I choose Conchita Foods. Conchita Foods is the one, my man. Dude, they're great. And listen, man. 
Why stop at ten thousand, dude? Let's get to fifty thousand, man. Fifty thousand is we're our talking new to, goal. We're talking to two other foundations. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it to fifty thousand dollars. If you're looking for your reason to live, do it now. You're helping these people. Hey, listen, man. Almost two million people displaced from their homes in northern Honduras. Right, dude. Come on. What are you waiting for? We're gonna make the GoFundMe right now, so please, you're gonna find the link in our website. Everybody's gonna be posting, everybody's gonna be donating. We need your help right now. Guys, don't think too much. Do it now. Act right now, my man. Listen, man, $50,000, we could do it. We're counting on you. Boom. Welcome back to KMA Talk Radio. We talked about it already, but we're excited to talk about our new sponsor. If you enjoy wine, then you need to try Extreme Altitude Malbec from Argentina. They make it up in these remote vineyards, about 9,000 feet up in the air. That means that the vines are under stress. The more stress that the vines are under, the better your wine's going to taste because all the nutrients end up in the grapes themselves. The results in inky red wine. You stare into this thing. It's like looking into your soul. Uh, they're also healthier than other wines, 10 times more longevity boosting uh, Reservatol and 90% less sugar, no dyes, no flavor additives at all in these wines. The best part is the flavor, blackberry, leather, smoke, a little dark cherry. And guess what? That is perfect for pairing with a cigar. Maybe even one of our, uh, our guests today, his cigars, I'd probably pair this with an El Wuense from Nick. Head on over to KMAWines.com. You'll find a Malbec from the third highest vineyard in the world that's up 8,950 feet and a lot more wine up there as well. No inflated prices. You're getting the top quality foreign wine for about half the price. Plus, listeners get 50% off shipping today. Head over to KMAWines.com or you can always check out the banner at KMATalkRadio.com. And we are back with Abe, Honest Abe, Alex, the Southpaw from South Philly, and of course our guest today, Mr. Nick Melillo. I, I just want to be clear on the wines, because people are already asking me, are we making wines? Because it's scamming.com. <laughs> We're not making wines. Right. We're just drinking right. them. They're legit, awesome company. This is our portal where you can go and get your, your special promo pricing, uh, kmawines.com. We set we set up the website so it's easier for you guys. Plus, you don't have to enter any promo codes. It goes right on there automatically. You get the discounts for KMA Talk Radio listeners. It's not our wine. But, well, I'm gonna right, call it. Right. I'm gonna call it my wine. Actually, to be honest with you, because I'm gonna be drinking some. Uh, that's half my wine yet, but that's half that's, my that's, wine. Luckily, well, we'll see. For I don't you know. Guys, there may I be a traffic partake, so. That's all for you. <laughs> There may be a traffic jam on my way over to your house, the two miles that it takes to get there, Abe. But, I don't know yeah. how to get there. I have a suggestion for that, for the Honduras fundraiser. I mean, if yeah. those two guys went door to door, they'd make a million dollars. I mean, I, could you imagine if they just came banging on I would just give the money to go away. My favorite line, <laughs> don't think. Don't think. Don't think. Don't think. <laughs> that poor table, I say it every week. Right. Where fans right. said, imagine they if crushed they the hell out of that table. Well, well we, wanted, we wanted to help our friends over at CLA, CLE out, and it really, they're absolutely. doing a lot of great work there, too. It is a worthy cause. So, you know, it is that time for giving. So if you have a few bucks to spare, it's a worthy cause to send some money. A lot of people got devastated down there, so they definitely could use some help. Yeah, you That's can find the, the banner on our website, the CLE Foundation. 
kmatalkradio.com. So, before the break, we were talking about your tenure at Drew Estate, Nick. Uh, talked about how you got into the business, how you fell in love with the business. Things seem to be going awesome for you. In 2014, May 9th, 2014, as you said, you decided to leave. So talk to us about what went into your thinking behind that and, you know, what what happened next with getting into foundation. I just want to express, when you say decide to leave, I'm, I'm just going to tell you from experience, right? That's a monumental decision. You know, because it sounds like you decide to leave. I mean, I'm sure that's something that you struggled with because you knew what you were doing. You were at a place that you were calling home, and now you're literally diving off a platform into the unknown. So yeah, that had to be such a a moment for you to figure out what exactly you were going to do. Yeah, it was a monumental decision. And you know, Abe, this, you know, everybody in this business knows it's not an easy business. Um, you know, and I w- I'm pretty much at this point, you know, unknown to most of the, the, the shops around the country and consumers around the country. Um, I knew if I didn't make the leap, I would always regret it. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and small business owners. So, and I knew if I didn't do it with all this FDA regulations happening that I might never be able to, to open my own company. So, you know, by that time, you know, the, the factory team had become my family. So, you know, most of my time was spent with, you know, my friends and family at the factory. So to leave, you know, it, it took me almost two years to make that decision. Uh, I mean, it was just... It, it was tough, but I knew, you know, I knew I had to do it. And I knew, you know, I was very fortunate in the sense of the industry. Um, I had gained, you know, so much experience that if it didn't work out, you know, in this industry, the knowledge, you know, that I've gained, I knew I could get another job on the tobacco side of things. You know, I'm behind the scenes now, you know, work, working with different farmers and tobaccos that actually get sold into the market. So I knew, you know, if if I didn't make it starting my own company that I could always get a job, you know, working with tobacco, which, which I love to do. So, um, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough. But I finally, you know, made the decision in May of 2014 and then spent that, that next year and a half, uh, planning, you know, it was, it was just me and, uh, another coworker at the time. We started it out of my cabin, you know, in the back of my house was my first office. And we started with uh, Elwa Wense, and now, I actually remember. Did you did, yeah. you did you already have this in the back of your head as a potential? Try to get focused here. I yeah, I had it. Uh, you know, because that imagery in Nicaragua is the Macho Raton, which is the central. These are masks on that band, right? This is a dance that happens every year in the south of Nicaragua. So those are those are mass. This imagery, this has been you know happening in Nicaragua for the past five hundred years. This dance, it's the oldest indigenous satire of the Western Hemisphere, recognized by UNESCO as a cultural treasure of the world. I didn't know about, of course, ever heard about it before moving to Nicaragua. But if you're in Nicaragua, this imagery is everywhere, and it really you know it doesn't matter what religion and you come from in Nicaragua, what political affiliation. All Nicaraguans identify with the Wawense. Uh, it, it's uniquely Nicaraguan. I mean, the word Wawense is not a Spanish word. It's 
uh, indigenous word to Nicaragua that means the wise man. So I, I did, you know, um, I knew at first, Abe, that I wanted to do a 100% Nicaraguan blend because there's nothing I had worked on that really came to market before that that was a 100% Nicaraguan blend, filler, binder, wrapper, um, 100% Nicaraguan. So, you know, I knew it was going to take time for, you know, broadleaf to cure. That was years, years away. And... Um, I wanted to do a, something that really paid homage to Nicaraguan tobacco and then also, you know, to complement it with something that was uniquely Nicaraguan. And there's nothing more that I think represents the heart and soul of Nicaragua than Wawense. And, you know, it didn't feel right to put it in English because I knew Nicaragua was had their eyes on it. You know, for me, I'm not Nicaraguan. I'm a Italian kid from from Connecticut so I I wanted to do it justice you know to the Nicaraguan people and I wanted to do the Nicaraguan people right and my my art director Alex Garcia is from Esteli so when I brought him the idea you know I knew once he he really fell in love with it that okay you know I'm going to do Nicaraguan people right and i knew you know nobody knew who i was abe you know uh, i remember talking to you about this early on you know so i wanted to come out with i think we lost him no i'm here what is there can you hear me abe yep yeah we can hear you oh, okay um i i knew you know the hardcore smokers are the ones that knew who i was you know the guys that have been following my story behind the scenes so I knew those hardcore guys, you know, hardcore shops would understand and appreciate, you know, the Wawense, even though it being very difficult for, you know, gringos to pronounce. So that was sort of the, you know, the target was to target that, that consumer base that knew of me, kind of knew of my experience, and then also the shops and build from there. So that's, that's really where we started with Wawense and... Did you yeah. know people like, did you know people at shops? Did you know retailers, Nick, or was that an yeah. battle for you as well? I mean, so, you know, Abe, um, you know, Jeff, certain retailers that I would meet every, cause I would go to the trade show every year. Um, I would actually go to the trade show to meet with tobacco suppliers, but um, cause everybody, a lot of the tobacco farmers and, and suppliers would go to the trade show just to, you know, get a sense of what the market's doing. So I would use those those street shows to meet with tobacco suppliers. But of course, in the meantime, you know, I was meeting um, a lot of shops throughout the country and I had known of of shops, but, you know, not a crazy amount, I would say, Paul. You know. OK, so yeah, I mean, that's, people... cause that's that's half the battle, right? I mean, maybe more yeah. than half the battle, too. <laughs> you can have a yeah, great, you can have a great stick. Right. If you don't know anybody to sell it to. Then, yeah, it's, you know, it's, you got three different parts to this business, in my opinion. You know, it's the farming is its own world. The manufacturing, production, fermentation is its own world. And sales and distribution, they're all their own, own worlds, man. And, uh, yeah, they all overlap at the same time. But, um it's definitely been a huge learning experience over the past five years. Um, you know, cause I hadn't been in a shop in, you know, 15 years before I started my own company 
And so, yeah. And you and you just celebrated, was it this this year, the fifth anniversary of Elba Wednesday? Yeah, so October was the first, uh, uh, the official five years when we started shipping well, Wednesday for the first time. Um, so I, in tribute to that, I ended up coming out with a five-year anniversary box, which I believe Abe has beautifully displayed uh, behind his right shoulder. So, you know, I wanted to do, I, I wanted <laughs> to do, is. there it is, yeah. So, oh, you know, it's, it's been really challenged this year just with everything that's going on. So that box, you know, it's really three boxes in one. I call it the Voltron box. It's actually based on an old. You just dated 19... yourself with age with Voltron. Voltron. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a 20 count box. It's four and a three quarters, 60 ring gauge. Um, it's a Corojo wrapper. The binder is San Andreas Mexican. It's actually a, a the blend is a combination of the Wawense Corojo, the original release, and the Wiseman Madura. So it's kind of a, a the, best, the best of both worlds in those blends in one cigar. That size, you know, for me is not a typical size as a 60 ring Perfecto. This is the foundation year of Perfectos, is not a typical size for me, but the blend in that size just, you know, as I kept smoking them, you know, the blend in different sizes that just kept coming back. And it's just a, it's just a real flavor bomb. I mean, it's just well, got a lot last of time you were on. Yeah. You said last time you were on, I believe when we did our, one of our first Skype interviews that you think that perfectos are going to be the new, the new hot thing. Did I say that? Oh man. <laughs> I think you said something to that. I think you said something to that effect that it's going to be, it's going to, that perfecto is, is starting to really, Really Perfectos at one point in time, I, I, I don't know the specifics on it. Maybe, maybe, Abe, you know a little bit more, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't a lot of the older cigars, Abe's, in those smaller Perfectos, like the early 1900s? There you go. Billy yeah. Blunt's were perfect. A lot of, Perfecto was the classy cigar of the machine right. back in the day. That's, yeah. You got I mean, something special. And even before here in Connecticut, in New Haven, you know, there's a number of cigar factories. Uh, F.D. Gravenson was one. The, those Perfectos, those were just kind of the sizes I remember my, my grandfather and great-grandfathers. They always smoked these smaller-style Perfectos. Well, um, the thing yeah. with Perfectos and Figurados, historically, and, and you know, you could, you could verify this myth whether it's myth or fact here more than yeah. I can, but it's always a story or the urban legend is that, you know, it's the more experienced rollers that make those cigars. A hundred percent. That is not a myth. So there um, you, go. you know, technically in depending on the size of the, the, the shape of the Perfecto, I don't, I don't prefer the longer nipple on the foot. I'm going to call it a nipple where the Perfecto, <laughs> you know, really, really, I don't like long nipples. I like a, a shorter because what happens is, is when you get sometimes the longer extension at the end of the Perfecto, it's a smaller ring gauge within there. Sometimes they get a little too tight, you know, or then you're also misreading the blend because you're just smoking that very end. You're getting more wrapper than you are getting the filler. And then sometimes it causes, if not uh, lit perfectly, you know, it will start burning up the side, burning them. So, 
you'll see some of the Wednesday five years or some of my newer uh, David and Goliath releases. Some of them were adjusting. So some of them had a little bit more uh, nipple and some <laughs> left. But, now, the um, David and Goliath are, are line extensions of the tabernacle. Of, of the tabernacle, yeah. So sure. I did two perfectos, a, a larger 58 ring and a 54. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's been a real challenge this year just getting product the product finished. You know, usually I'm down in Nicaragua the whole time. We release, show them at the show in July, and we try to have them, you know, ready for the end of August, September. Just with, you know, I'm getting air shipments back and forth from Nicaragua uh, to finalize packaging and, and blends and, and all of this. It unfortunately took a lot longer. If you see that box, you know, that box, it was hand painted originally. And then we, excuse me, laser print that into the inside of the Wawense five-year box. That takes a long time. I mean, mm. the, the laser printers don't move that fast. That box is really difficult to make. The Perfecto is very difficult to make. So there hasn't been, I had to make the decision of waiting until next year to have more quantity or to ship what I had ready this year. So this right. is the reason why there's not a lot. Trust me, I'd love to have a lot more <laughs> to sell uh, people right now, but you know, Abe, you know, it's gotta be right. So if you're, sometimes there's such a pressure to, to, to rush things. I've seen that over the years. You see people shoot themselves in their own foot because you get so much pressure to release, release, but if they're not right, then, you know, there's no going back. So, well, and then in the future, are people going to buy other new releases from you because they know that the last one, if it wasn't right, they're like, ah, eh, well, last one yeah. wasn't so great. So your reputation is everything for sure. A hundred percent. So I'm not trying to limit these things, or sometimes people think you're you're you know trying to keep supply down. This and that. No, I mean we've been behind. We've been growing this year. This you know, consumption has been way up. I, I'm sure Abe, you know, there's been a lot of inventory, you know, issues. There's a lot of people just really behind. We've been really behind, you know, just going through growth and, um, you know, knock on wood and just trying to keep things, you know, supply coming. But I'm very militant about making sure that quality, you know, and consistency is, is always the first, first, uh, you know, the pillar of what we do, because I've, I've learned lessons over the years and seen, you know, I've had retailers tell me, well, why can't you just switch out a leaf and, and use the other, you know, and I'm like, man, come on, this is, I can't do it. And then, you know, I was talking to a retailer once and he was telling me this because he wanted more of a certain cigar. And then, you know, I said, man, I can't do that. Later on in the conversation, I was asking about a few other brands and this and that. How's this? Do oh, it's not the same. It's not doing the same. I, I you know, that's the guy I can't do. I said, well, that's exactly why I can't switch out leaves because, you know, then you're going to start saying that it's not the same and it's not. So it's. Uh, and it it's happens more, more often than people would believe. Of course. Yeah, because there's such a, again, the pressure's there to set. That's what we want to do. That's the whole point. We want to sell cigars. Um, at the same time, you're dealing with, you know, imagine we're planning out, you know, just with Broadleaf, two and a half years 
the Havanasi from Connecticut we do is three years. I mean, the planning that's involved, um, and especially with a year like this, is is quite challenging. So, um, yeah, very, again, militant to make sure everything's on point all the time because I know there's no going back. And, of um, course, you, you know, it, it's handmade, so you're going to have issues from time to time, but, you know. You can't you can't natural. jeopardize it. Yeah. yeah you can't natural. jeopardize the the blends and, and the and the quality. Right now that we have you talking about blends and quality, I, I'd like to break yeah. a little news here because we started it off with Saka, but I just want to say how honored I am that you will be involved in our connoisseur club in twenty twenty one. Um you're the second manufacturer I've who I have announced, but the great part is nobody knows what month they're gonna get your cigar in. But we will be launching this January our uh, second subscription-based program, which is called the Connoisseurs Club. It's an extremely legitimate, no fugazi, um, cigar club where we have commissioned incredible manufacturers like Nick to make a cigar, one that's not been in production, one that's not been lying around. They are making a cigar for this group. We'll be sending five cigars every month. Um, to our club members, only 500 guys. And um, you guys won't know who made them or what. You'll have to smoke them. We'll send you a little note sheet to keep track of what you thought of each one. And then two weeks later, we're going to open up the the um, QR code so people can find out who made them, what country they were from. What oh, that's cool. I oh, didn't yeah, know about that. It's a very interactive club. So after you get your kind of sort of club plaque, two weeks later, you got to come back and figure out what you smoked. <laughs> and then Nick will, have a little, Nick will have a little video explaining what possessed him, what his inspiration. We, we are giving manufacturers no input on what we want. This is like wow. a straight, we're commissioning people to make cigars. This is a legitimate club, no fugazis. We're not making up stories of stuff that doesn't exist. You know, this is... Right. We're I, not handing rings and, uh, you right. know, just throwing cigars. It, there's itself. no bands being made. There's nothing. <laughs> right. in them just with a number and a fact sheet. And two weeks later, they can find out who made what and, and, and what the cigar was. And then there'll be a little video expert from, uh, excerpt from each manufacturer telling them what went on. Because, like I said, we have no input. We want the manufacturer. It's like we're commissioning artists to make a painting. It's going to be manufacturers. It's going to separate the men from the boys to see if, if people can guess who can nail it. Yeah, it's absolutely. a real connoisseur club. And we're, we're, we're awesome. And I'm very excited that Nick was willing to participate. With us so I can't tell. I can't tell everybody. I can't tell no. them what it is right now. No, 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 no. And that's the one thing they trouble. don't know if they're going to get your cigar in January or next December. I mean, that's wow. the great thing about the club. Until they get the pack and they smoke them and they they come back two weeks later, um, we'll have more news on this. Um, memberships will open up mid January, but we'll keep everybody posted. Um, it, it, look, we're not limiting it to five hundred, like Nick said. Um, we'd love to have everybody who wants to be in it, but, but this has to be done right. You know, it's our first time doing it. 2021 is our beta year, and we wanted to make sure that all the logistics and the coatings, a very intricate interactive process would work. So we started out with a group of 500. We figured we could handle the control, and then maybe we'll see later on in 2021 or 2022 we can expand it, but this will be a hard limit to 500 people. I think I think what we should do is the three of us oh you're gonna know what they are will alex know what the cigars are yeah yeah uh, man yeah. 
So it's I was only gonna, you. See, I don't want to be put on the spot. Because <laughs> I, 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 I do this. My, my wife's a certified sommelier, so we, she, we do tastings here all the time, and she'll pour things. Actually, I think it's a good thing, Paul. In twenty twenty one, after the release date is done, so you everybody like a week or two, you come on. You don't find out what they are. You share your notes, and then we'll share with you live how you did. Uh, it's going to be, cool. be so embarrassing. But I, I can know. share. Oh, come on. You, I can just taste the notes. Here's, here's the thing, too, though. Even if even if you know what five are in there, they're five unbanded cigars. Well, they'll have a, a QR code, but, you know, it's they're not going to say what it is in there. So even if you know, you only know that one of these is one of these five guys. Right. So even you, you may have you a little. Go through who the five manufacturers were. You still don't know which cigars. So so every right. month it's five. There's five cigars from five different manufacturers, or every five month. cigars from no five, five cigars from right. five different companies. Oh, when are you starting that, Abe? What month? We're going to start signing up mid January, and uh, yep. the first the first January shipment will go out that sign up day. So those five hundred okay. will go out, right. and then the first of every month so on February first is when we'll release what the cigars were. Then mid-February will be shipment number two, and March 1st we'll release those cigars and so forth throughout the year. All right, well, I'll do that. Special. Mine might have been aging now, so I got them. We're all ready oh, to go. Nice. I got I'm, them. I'm, I'm already toast in there. I'm already aging nicely. Yeah. I'll do it. Sure. I'll do it. I like to think that the cigars I smoke all the time, and, and actually, El Wuente happens to be one of them that I always have a couple in my humidor, and I have a lot of Saka stuff in there. I like to think that I'd be able to pick those out. Well, I guess we'll, you know, or pick the pick the manufacturers out, so we'll see. <laughs> you know, you, you probably, the Psalms are really impressive because um, I found, I saw that documentary once on the Psalms. I, oh, I don't it's a great, know wine, great documentary. I don't know wine well, but it's very impressive because we don't really have anything in our industry that has those types of tests or, you know, I mean, pretty much the term master blender can be, you know, thrown around. There's no, yeah, you know, test to really get you there. There's no um, certification or standard. And P.P. Johnson's mm -hmm. talked about this for years because, you know, he's heavily into wine. Yeah, Why yeah. The same kind of process. Or well, funny with, enough, though, yeah. the the master court of sommeliers that my wife belongs to, they yeah. they actually once you get into level two and above, cigars are a part of what you're yeah, learning. Sure, so they sure. you don't necessarily have to have to know cigars super well, but you should know what types of tobacco would go well with uh with the tasting notes of a, of of different types of wine, right? Yeah. So so like a Bordeaux is a good cigar to have with with. I mean, sorry, Bordeaux is a good wine to have with cigars, but things like that. But I'm not claiming to be an expert. I just have, I happen to have a good palate, according to my wife. Like, I, I can, I can taste things and, and kind of give her an idea of where it might be from. She can taste a wine and, and with her certification, should be able to tell you where it's from. So let me yeah, ask you a question, Paul. When you got crazy. dinner with Steph and they come with the wine list, do you hand it to her? Wait, so, oh yeah, always. I, I have no qualms about they always give me the wine list, and I always she hates when I do this. But I'm like, she's a level two psalm, and they're like, oh, oh, sorry. Like, they, they, <laughs> but then a lot of yeah. times when you tell them that, like, we go to that La Serena restaurant, Abe, that Italian place that has the giant wine list. That's a great place. Not a lot of people know about that. No, and keep it that way. Actually, I mean, seriously, that's a great, and it's in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. 
middle of nowhere, and, and you go out there. And it watches your car. Right, right. It's a bad neighborhood. Because and there's Bentleys sitting outside and Rolls Royces sitting outside. I don't even talk about that place. That is a who told you about that place? I don't want to talk about it. I no, got you're not in the club. Who told you? Who let oh, you I'm in the club. club? They love us there. You're but, still but, a rookie to Florida. You're not supposed <laughs> to know about that place. <laughs> I don't know but, about this place. Yeah, Alex but, don't know. How do you know about that place? But when we go there, because my wife works at sommelier, the, somebody told her, and right. she works at the Breakers, so that's, she, that's she has two master psalms. There's, there's, I forget how many master sommeliers in the country, like 300, let's say. Uh, maybe it's more than that, but whatever. It's a select few. So two of them are at her, the hotel that she works wow. at. So, so they introduce us to places like that. But when we go in there, I mean, they take out the wine list and the special wine list. And they're, they're like, uh, based on your last selection, uh, uh, Miss, Mrs. DeGracco, you might want to look at some of these. And it's, it's really, it's a cool experience, man. They'll give you tastings of bottles that we could never afford and, and, and things like that. But, um, that's cool. but I find, you know, that I definitely have an expensive taste, but not always. So I, I was saying to your wife the other night, Abe, that there's a, there's a bottle that I buy from Trader Joe's that's nine ninety nine. It's, it's in my top five favorite wines. I think it's called, uh, the Cirque or something like that. It's an Italian, table uh, red table wine oh, so the blend is not revealed and it has sangiovese in it but uh, whatever like the, i just i know what i like i guess is, is what i'm saying so i can kind of pick and choose like kind of give an idea of what would be old world or not so that's why i'm surprised 35 or 80 percent of all wines sold are 14.95 or less yeah well there you go but then but then again people you know people have given me wine as a gift that's you know two thousand dollar bottle that's like velvet I mean, my, we talked about it the other night. I, I had some some wine that was like, I don't know, it changed my life. I tasted it, but there's no chance in hell I will ever buy a two thousand dollar bottle of wine. I got two yeah. bottles of Ghost Horse Phantom that was gifted to me. You showed by, it to me by the owner of, of uh, you know uh, Ghost Horse Winery, and uh, I'm just I, I, I'm saving them. I don't even know what the special occasion to crack a two thousand dollar bottle of wine is. Four hundredth episode of KMA. Come on, man. There you go. <laughs> Come on. New Year's Eve, Abe. Come on. It's yeah, a big one. You, we made it through 2020. Hopefully, we, uh, we no, make it through. You know? My wife and I cracked one of the lower-end Ghost Horse wines, which I think is still a $750 bottle the other night. But, uh -huh. um, yeah, we're saving the big boys. He's got a $5,000 bottle Yeah, yeah. Ghost Horse wines. I mean, you belong to his club then called The Syndicate. <laughs> Are you in yeah. that club? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I was going to say. But you know what? What I like about him is I met Todd Anderson. He's a great guy. Cigar lover. We smoke cigars together. We drink wine all afternoon. We had a great time. He's a farmer. He's a hunter. He's a legitimate cowboy rancher. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of reminds me of what we do in the cigar industry. You know, he makes it socially fun. He has this thing called the syndicate. And if you buy one of these, the $5,000 bottles of his ghost horse wine, you get this special challenge coin, and then you have this app. And you could track him anywhere in wow. the world. And if you run into him, you get something special, you know. And then, and then he throws these syndicate parties, like in the hills of Montana or anywhere in the world. Which, if you're part of the syndicate, you're in. so he's made this a social group, not just a wine club. It's it's pretty cool. I kind of like what he does. Oh, that's that sounds awesome. kind of cool. Yeah, buy a lot more smoking products. Maybe I could belong to the syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> But but going back to it, you know, it's it, it's something like you're saying. There's not like a a, a set 
uh, class or course that that teaches you about tasting and, and creating master. Maybe that's something for the future with cigars. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, you know, who would set that up, what the, um, Pete. you know, the, cr the criteria Pete. would be. It would be well, it would be interesting. The problem would be to have to set a legitimate standard that everybody yeah. would recognize. Right. And that's right. where you're going to have a problem. Big problem. Yeah, big problem. I don't. I, I think that's the reason why there there is none to this point in time. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. The dojo I mean, guys got it, me one time. For it to really work, it would have to be a group completely detached from any brand or yeah. any company. Yeah, outside. that makes sense. That it, makes it would sense. have to be, and that if they could convince people that our standards are right, then manufacturers would want to belong. You know, want to be right. certified or sealed or whatever the course may be. I'll tell you right. what, one person I would I would trust with that task would be William Cooper, who happens Dude, to be on the line with I've us right now. I've seen his jerky. I've seen his jerky. Uh, yeah, he failed at the jerky judging, so <laughs> his his scorecards are a little tainted. But he would be completely unbiased. Absolutely, absolutely. But his, his judging is not quite. Listen, speaking of Cooper, we're going <laughs> to smash on him. Let's get him in here and defend himself. Is he right? There he is. There, there he is. What's going on? Hey, Nick. How you doing, Coop? Doing good, doing good. Coop looks like he's in trouble this week and sitting in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I figured, let me get more, you know, I haven't brought out some of the uh, house scouts. I wanted to do one with the Christmas tree, but the lighting's really bad the way the sun's coming in the house oh, today. because the lighting is much better where you are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, well, it's really bad. There. You can see anything. Yeah, it's, we, we use a lot of natural light in this house, um, and sometimes the shadow is just... Well, when you have a when you have a mansion from Florida ceiling uh, wind with Florida ceiling windows, it's it's easy to do, man. <laughs> I love my dad. So, Coop, what what do you uh, just just for your opinion on what we're talking about? Nick was Nick was talking about the difference between the wine world and the cigar world. How there's a, a standardization and a and a tasting, um, you know, there, and there's several of them for for wine, like the court master court of sommeliers. What what are your thoughts on on an organization like that for cigars? I I I agree, and I've talked to Pete also about this. I think it's a good thing. The problem, with, I think, what you were saying is, I don't know if the industry would turn this over to someone else outside the industry. That that's kind of the feeling I would get with that, and I don't know if people in the industry would put the time in necessary to make it work. So that's why I see the problem. It's it's needed very badly. I mean, you guys mentioned the term master blender, and I see that term just thrown around like like really goosey goosey these days. And it would be really nice to have some sort of a a true industry certification that someone is a master blender, or someone is a level nine torcedor or something like that. And it's unfortunately just thrown around like that and it's used as a marketing term, which I don't think is really the right thing. But it would help us for sure. I mean, well, I, I guess you're saying that the people in the industry wouldn't wouldn't necessarily hold on to it because what's what's to gain from it? I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a divided industry as well. So you know, we we can't get we can't get people on the same page to fight outside threats. Now to try to do this would would be difficult. You know, to try to reg, not regular kind of straighten things out within the industry. Right, well, I, I can understand that. There's bigger, there's bigger fish to fry now, anyway, in the industry. There is right now. So I mean, um, 
you know, a guy like a right thing could do it, right? He's not in the industry right now. Uh, it's Herkots. Ah. Like if Herkots, Herkots would be a guy. I think that people, you know, he can probably do. You know, um, now that he's outside the industry. You know, if he comes back, and that's a big question. But I could see Mike being a perfect guy for that. I don't see Mike staying out of this industry for long. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Say, I don't either. Have an announcement anytime soon. I, I don't either. I think. Uh, I think he's taking his time. You know, certainly. Uh, in, you know, when you kind of move on from a career, and I kind of went through this too, and you could take some time off to be with the family, take advantage of it because you don't know when that's going to happen again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Got to enjoy that time. So, yep. Coop, what's uh, what's going on in the news? I just I just texted you if you can lower your your gain on your mic a little bit. I wasn't sure if you if you're uh, yeah. See, he's a consummate professional. Yeah. He puts his phone away. Yeah, no, ex- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I put the phone away. How's that? A little better. I think that might be a little bit better. As good as we're gonna get. Okay, I lo- I did lower the gain. So okay, so yeah. Coop, what's going on in the news this week? Well. So there was a piece of news that came out at the beginning of the week, and it's kind of something outside the cigar industry, but it's, it's kind of one of those things I would say we need to keep an eye on it if you're in the industry. And, you know, there's a new uh, presidential administration right now uh, coming in, and uh, Joe Biden's starting to name his cabinet post. And uh, he announced his nominee to, to head up Department of Health and Human Services, which is where the FDA falls under. And the, the person he nominated is someone by the name of Xavier Becerra, the Attorney General of California. And why this is significant is this is, a, you know, these posts sometimes can matter. And he does not have a very good record when it comes to tobacco. So, I mean, on one hand, he's going to have his hands full with, with COVID. There's no question about it. But he, the fact that his record leans towards anti-tobacco is something just to keep an eye on right now. And that could affect the, the direction of the agency right now. You know, could he go and direct the agency right now to kind of go after substantial equivalents again? These are questions that we're going to start to see right now. So it's something to just keep an eye on right now as the new administration comes in. I think it, it's not going to happen day one, but it's four years is still a lot of time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, our only uh, saving grace may be um, the runoff in Georgia. Which is a big mm. runoff. It's a big, big runoff. runoff right now because if that if the, if the Senate goes 50-50, um, Kamala Harris has the deciding vote, and that could affect some legislation in the Senate right now. So that, that's a big election right now. Mm. And that's coming up in what, January, right? Yes. Yeah, it's coming up in January. What else is going on, Coop? Uh, so a couple of releases have hit, are starting to hit stores. Uh, the Kintsugi, which is a release from Alec Bradley Cigars, done by Alec and Bradley Rubin. That's a release that uh, they worked on, and then it got made and delayed because of COVID. That has started to hit the stores right now, and that's their third release that the two brothers have worked on. And you should start seeing that hit the shelves right now. It's got some really cool artwork they did, uh, the whole Kintsugi artwork, which is kind of uh, taking pieces of broken glass and melding them back together, um, kind of symbolic of the industry. So that is, I think it's already reached some stores already. Wow. Um, but you're going to be, you know, um, 
the other thing on that is that's a, they've uh, they've gone back to Honduras. The last release they've done with Ernesto Perez Carrillo Jr. Uh, this one going back to Racist Cubanas to make uh, this this release. So that's now in the stores. Excellent. Anything else? Yep. Yep. One other thing. Um, uh, Jerry Tobacco, uh, their Aladino Cameroon line, uh, they have released a full size in the form of uh, our, our, Abe, your favorite size, a Lancero. A, uh, it's a, um, yeah, so they're doing a traditional 38 by 7 Lancero. Uh, it's using a wrapper, uh, that's a Cameroon seed grown in Honduras. So the, the, uh, Aroa's, Julio Aroa's been working on that for a while. They released out Aladino Cameroon earlier this year. The Lancero is, uh, the fourth size, and it's gonna be, uh, a soft launch to one store, uh, Blue Smoke of Dallas, uh, up until the t- time frame of TPE. And then uh, at that point, it's going to go national. Great shop, Jay Davis. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy as well. In fact, one of the retailers throwing a TGS watch party in a store, I think he's got like 16 or 18 consumers who have bought their tickets and got getting their party in the boxes. So, uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah, very yeah, cool. And, and what he's doing is the price point he set for these cigars, uh, a dollar for every cigar sold is going to the CRA. It's going back into the CRA. So he's kind of doing something creative with that, which is a good thing as well. Sure. They had some uh, some issues recently, Coop, didn't they, with a break-in down in Miami? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that happened Thanksgiving week. Uh, yes, the Jerry headquarters in uh, Miami, they were broken into, and they had their inventory wiped out completely. I, I, I can't understand how many inventory break-ins there are, warehouse break-ins there are. I, it's, it's insane. It's like either they don't have alarm systems or, I mean, I, know, I don't know if you guys have been in an industrial area, but these places aren't the easiest to break into. There's not like there's a lot of windows. Right. You know, doors no. are typically steel. Luis Cuevas told us that they dug a hole through he the wall that. to yeah. get yeah. into theirs. He showed me where they dug the hole. It was unbelievable. When you look at this, they literally tunneled in there, yeah. And they came in through the ceiling uh, at Jerry, and they knew what they were doing because they, they triggered, I guess they were able to turn off the Internet, uh, which had the alarm system in on it, too. Jeez. No good alarm system only has one mode of communication. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, don't they usually have – I think mine has a cell phone backup. Either that or you got a real professional ring going around hitting manufacturers, man. Yeah, I, I got to say nine out of ten times it's an inside job. Right. Nine Maybe. out of ten times. It, it, yeah, they, these have right. just been going on for the past few years um, down in Miami. So, yeah, they they lost their whole inventory, according to Husto. Oh man, they had a they I had mean, a shipment coming in though. They were lucky, but still, yeah. Anybody? Anything else going on this week, Coop? Um, that's it. It was like I said. We're getting into a light week as we get into uh, getting towards Christmas right now. What do you got going on with the scoop with Coop this week? Um, the big thing that we have is uh, we have an interview with Leona Fuente scheduled for Tuesday. On right. time. Yep. And we'll be continuing to do the countdown of our top 30 cigars of the year this week as well. Where are you at now? 22. Uh, we're tw- 22. Wow. Yep. So uh, it's always an exciting and fun time. You know, this year is interesting because a lot of us in the cigar media, we really follow these lists kind of like baseball stats. <laughs> and the lists are really getting delayed this year, we're noticing. And I think a lot of it has to do because so much stuff got released late in the year that people are just trying to get as much smokes in as possible with their lists right now. 
I mean, I even know the half-wheel consensus has been pushed out to the end of January, and usually that's a really? early to mid-January thing. Yeah, huh. so with Scarfish and Otto pushed their list out to January, and yeah. some of the and just informally, some of the online media guys told me they're pushing to mid-January. Uh, oh, for, wow. the re- for exactly what I said. So, yeah, um, I was a little earlier with my list. I just didn't change anything this year the way I did. But, that, that, but you'll start to see that stuff happen probably after Christmas now with a lot of people. Do um, Don't you cigar media guys all then get together and compare your lists? I think I've seen that show. Yeah, we do that. Um, we do that on very – I know I do a show with that. That's going to be in February this year. It's like where we we compare, we, we critique, we – you know, compliment. It's 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 a fun thing to do, and, and you know, I, that's what we. I know a lot of us have a lot of fun doing that, comparing the lists and seeing, uh, you know, where things lie and, and you know what's the criteria. It, it is fun to do it, and then you always wonder. The half wheel thing's really cool because we look and see how that all comes together, and there's big changes happening in in these lists and media. People don't realize there's a big shift to the YouTubers in the last year. So the YouTubers are having much more of an impact on that consensus than a few years ago. And that was shown last year for sure. Interesting. It's it's certainly media. Yeah, it's a certainly form of media. People are are consuming it. Yeah, so why not? Um, So, Coop. Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead, Paul. So, Coop, we always, you know, you're the the legit guy here. So we always ask you, because we have a guy like Nick on, you got any uh, any questions that we should have asked that we didn't ask? That way, later you don't text me and be like, "Oh, you should have asked Nick." Blah blah blah. blah. Did, did you just call Coop the legit guy, inferring all <laughs> us as unlegit people? Uh, well, I'm not saying we're unlegit, but we're entertainers. Yeah. He's the purist. Coop's the purist. <laughs> that's that's a better word. He's a purist. That's messed up, Paul. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah. Nick. That's kind of that's kind of fucked up, man. Yeah. No, actually, I do one for Nick. What do you got, Steve? What do you got? Okay, so you were, you know, the five-year anniversary, which I did smoke, fantastic cigar. It's it's very different. You. you were talking about how it's a combination of the uh, the two L Wednesday and the Wise Man releases. But what I thought was really, and this is kind of a geeky question, I guess, but it, yeah, you know, the factory, it's Topsa that's producing that, right? Correct. Okay, you used a binder from San Andreas, which I've never seen a Topsa release go anything like that. It seemed very out of the box with that. Is that something? That, yeah, that, yeah. So talk a little about that, and what, you know what that kind of brought and made because made that blend so unique with that. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing, Coop, is because I wanted to make it you know unique and different, and um, you know, Thompson has very very distinguished uh, tobaccos and flavor profiles coming from um, their filler tobaccos. So um, I you know I use the San Andreas for the Wise Man Maduro. Um, I, I work in Mexico on some tobacco projects there. So when I was working through the bl- the blend, I use Mexican as binder. I think it's a, an amazing binder tobacco. It's a little bit heavier and thicker and kind of helps round out um, a lot of the filler tobacco. So a lot of that, you know, the 60 ring gauge was just not typical for me doing 60 ring gauges. Um, it just really brought all of those filler tobaccos together. Um, I think just amazingly, and especially in that size. So again, I kept coming back to that size in that blend. It, again, it's not a size typically I, I would smoke, but I couldn't, I, I kept picking it back up as being the best blend when I was going through different sizes for the five year and it just kept hitting. Um, I think it's just a flavor bomb. 
And definitely that San Andreas brings it all together. And I think really makes it unique in, in that sense. Is, um, is that compared a, to, yeah. Yeah. Is that a one-time run or is it, is it going to be ongoing? So that's going to be ongoing for the, the five year. So it's going to be ongoing quarterly for this, for this year. And then that's going to be it. Okay. Yeah. So, it's, it, I encourage folks to try that cigar. It's like I said, it's really unique with that at that factory and, and it was uh, very enjoyable. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. It's man. Yeah. I just smoked one this morning. It just, it hits on all cylinders. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really much. Nick, do yeah. you have like cigars now for blending purposes that, that are shipped? Cause I'm assuming you're, they're shipping blends back and forth to you. Like, do you, yeah. do you just constantly have cigars there that you have to keep testing and tasting? He's got him right there. <laughs> this, is the, this, is the, this is the magic backpack. This backpack wow. is filled with cigars. So that's the bag to snatch when you're not looking. Wow. Huh? Yeah, don't. I mean, this goes on all the way to the bottom. It's just uh, let's see. when you walk yeah. in public, is that like handcuffed to your wrist? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, not regular public. When, I, when I'm around the cigar public, yeah. Right. Right. Definitely, <laughs> that bag can disappear. So yeah, yeah. You it's might have complicated. to change. You might have to change bags now. <laughs> yeah, now they know what it looks like. I will. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. You know, things are. De- you know, just seeing the 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 ratings delayed. You know, uh, it's been taking a lot more time that way. You know, shipping back and forth, and you know, it's just more time consuming. So, a lot of the stuff. You know, certain things I have to be down there for. Um, you know, to really get it done, but, you know, certain other blends that I had already been working on or I had base blends going, you know, um, just a lot of back and forth, you know, air shipments and, and testing and adjusting and tweaking. And it's definitely posed a challenge. It's just more time consuming. Right. Uh, right. T- it takes, takes longer. Yeah. But I constantly have things, you know, going, testing, you know, tobacco, different tobaccos, working on different seed varieties. Um, yeah, that's constant. Because these yeah, things take a long like time, it... Paul. You know, imagine you're working on a new seed variety. Um, you know, that's that's a long process, man. That's there's, a. There's a question but, for you. How much of your day is dedicated to smoking new blends? Do you ever fear like you might burn out your palate if you're smoking so much each day? Yeah, I, I you know, this... I become one of these guys, the San Pellegrino guys. Um, I find the carbonation makes a good palate cleanser. It does, yeah. What's that? Yeah, the carbonation, it does. Um, I was never... Uh, In my mind, of... it's like hydrochloric acid. <laughs> like, eating away at all the you know, film in your mouth. Right. That's it. And I become a snob when it comes to, like, carbonated waters. Because you have, like, natural ones, forced carbonated ones. But the carbonation definitely helps uh, clear your palate. Um, you know, you definitely, I definitely have to be careful of, you know, burning out your palate, but then, you know, I come back to them. So I'll never make a decision, you know, on a blend where I've been smoking a lot, you know, I always let them rest and then come back to them on a fresh palate. Um, and basically, you know, I have to want another one after I smoke it. That, mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I, I decide on what blends go to the box. It's, I can't, I can't put it down. I want another one. And that has to happen consistently. And you just, you know, I just kind of know this is it. It's hitting. I'm a cigar smoker. 
So it's got a it's got a hit on on all cylinders. So before we hit our uh, sane asylum for the week, Nick, uh, any other cool projects in 2021 other than being involved in uh, Smoking's Connoisseur Club? You know, I'm excited about that one. Um, you know, we have some things on the horizon for 2021. It's going to be a big year for us. Um, you know, we just got done the five year anniversary, the Tabernacle David and Goliath. Um, you probably won't see anything really new until you know summertime um but i don't have anything right now i always say check out foundations youtube for the seed to cigar video i don't know if you saw that abe you know i did the time lapse yes i did very cool from the seed to cigar so um i think a lot of your listeners would would love it's a 10 minute kind of short film well worth it I've never seen a, a, a time lapse, you know, seed to cigar video before, so it's it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, we watched one. it after the la- after the last show you were on. It, it cool. was It's it definitely it was very cool to watch. We'll we'll post yeah. a link to it. Yeah, I love the just the parts of you know the tobacco and the aging in the barns turning from green to yellow to brown, and you know the process takes years, but it's all there in a ten minute short. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very very yeah. very cool. Before we get to the Cigar and Sand Asylum, Paul, if you do me a favor and scroll up a little bit on the comments, there was a URL that uh, the Secretary of State posted, Evan Darnell. Just want to give this a quick shout-out to all our listeners, especially if you like uh, chocolate chip cookies. Um, Red Meat Lovers Club is partnered with Selfless Love Foundation for a December deliciousness special with a celebrity baking chef. There's a 12-year-old boy named Sammy Darnell, and this kid makes epic cookies from what I hear. So for every $50 donation to Selfless Love, they will send you one dozen sea salt chocolate chip cookies, Ooh. which will also include the shipping. 100% of the money raised will be donated to Selfless Love, and Selfless Love is now celebrating five years of fostering dreams for foster children and adoption, um, putting uh, children and connecting them with families of over 160 adoptions in just in the last two years. So a very cool organization. That's awesome. If you like chocolate chip cookies, you can go to selflesscookies.com, order yourself an epic batch, and do some good while you're at it. Nice. That is awesome. Paul, I've never seen your eyes light up like that before. Oh, (laughs) I love cookies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they light up. It's great. My wife made chocolate chip cookies the other day to keep Axel occupied because he likes baking. So they there's a there's a big tin of chocolate chip cookies that I mean she probably made like six batches. There's probably only about twenty five cookies left, and the kids aren't eating the cookies. <laughs> nice. Hey, hey, Coop. So yeah, we got we got a we got a decent boxing highlight uh, tonight. We got Shakur Stevenson, who's a young up and comer, uh, being compared to Floyd Mayweather, and honestly, kind of rightfully so. You got a take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him. I like him tonight. Yeah, I like this kid a lot. My, my I do. My only concern with these young kids, and even like Javante Davis, is sometimes these guys get wrapped up in the life, man, and they wind up with legal troubles. I know she, uh, Stevenson already had an altercation down in South Beach like a year or so ago, got arrested. And uh, I mean, this kid's got the talent. I hope he, he stays on the straight and narrow because he can be a star. I, I agree. I mean, like I said, you made a really good analogy to, to, to Floyd Mayweather with him. Um, I, I like him a lot. I think he's, like I said, he's definitely an up-and-comer, someone we're going to see in the next two years do some, do some, uh, make noise as far as some of the belts go. What is, uh, what is Coop's stone cold lead pipe block of the week? I, I haven't gone there, but I want to ask Alex this question. Is everything now fixed with the Eagles? Now that, that, uh, you know, oh, not that they benched Carson Wentz. 
Now everything's fixed, right? No, not <laughs> not, not in, like sarcasm. Not in no. the least bit, man. I mean, I I think you know we definitely Howie Roseman probably has to go. Um, we have a GM problem. Um, I don't know that Doug Collins is the guy anymore. You know, um, injuries played a lot of uh, of a role, but I mean, coaching has been awful lately as well. Yeah, I think the coach. I mean, I think well, when he when Doug won the Super Bowl, he had. I mean, Frank Reich was a very important part of that. Is what absolutely we, what we see. I I just think the expectations is when you put Jalen Hurts, a, a rookie, in right, you have to at least say, all right, at this point, this is about now the season, you know, development. If they have visions of win, you can't get upset if you're not going to win the division right now because right. this kid's going to make mistakes. A rookie quarterback is going to make – I've seen this with the Giants happening. It's going to make mistakes. You have to now just be committed to that. Um, and the problem is I, I listen to Philadelphia media, and I'm like, they, I think they still have expectations this team should win the division. And that they, they lack talent, and they have injuries right now. So I just don't see it. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, though, the division is so awful. You know, any team gets on a three-game winning streak, and, you know, yeah. they're going to they're gonna win a division with a losing record. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of sad that there's going to be – one of these teams with a losing record is, is going to get a home game in the playoffs, and there's going to be a team with a winning record that's not going to get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It won't be the Giants winning this division. I'll t- I still don't believe- They have too hard a schedule. They, the they do. Really good, yeah. I mean, the Redskins and whole Alex Smith story, you know, good for him, and it's great, and I think we'll probably see them coming out of the East. Yeah, I could go. I could, you know what I feel about that. That's a great story, too, what he's been able to do. Yeah. And there is our Barstool seg- edition segment of Cable Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah, we need to have that sponsored. One bite, everybody knows the rules. Right. <laughs> you know what? That's a great. Floyd, I'm in. Speaking of Floyd Mayweather fight, before I forget, because we have another big announcement this week. For any of our local fans or listeners, or if you're psychotic enough that you're actually flying into town and not going to the studio for the great smoke, um, the Red Meat Lovers Club is hosting a watch party at our headquarters. So it's an eight-hour broadcast. You can buy a lunch service, a dinner service. The menu is incredible. You can go to greatsmoke.com and check it out. And for the dinner service, Steve Saka of Dunbar and Tobacco Trust will be the honorary guest at the dinner service. So if you're not going to be in the studio, want somewhere cool to go watch the eight-hour Great Smoke broadcast, come to our Boynton Beach headquarters. And if you want to have an epic meal, you can buy a lunch ticket, dinner ticket combination. They will feed you like you've never been fed before. And I'm kind of upset I'm going to be in the studio because I know exactly how these meals go. And And they're incredible. They're incredible. The tail end to that was after all of that. Yes. Why I started is after all that, we will be broadcasting on a 30-foot jumbo projection screen, the Mayweather fight, no cover. So it'll be a nice epic day, for especially if you're a boxing fan. You can probably catch a good fight. Right after all that. Well, no, I'll talk about this more in upcoming shows, I'm sure. But I actually hate this fight more right. than Mike Tyson. Fight. Oh, I do too. Wow. Yeah, this is not a good, you know. Alex Tavella, the Steve No, 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 no. Listen world. to me. Listen to me. So we remember we all watched the Tyson fight and that YouTube kid that basically killed Nate Robinson. So Floyd Mayweather is fighting the YouTube kid's brother, who is 0-1 in his boxing career where he lost against another YouTube kid. So it's another <laughs> farce of a fight, but we'll all, you know, watch it, and maybe there'll be some other sports yeah, figure. That's why I have a problem with this. It's, it's not a credential contender he's fighting. Or no, it's like awful. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. All right, Crazy. so now this week, to see who belongs in a cigar insane asylum. This week's inductee 
Ziani Sidious, 34, left his parents' Martin County home, another Floridian, <laughs> on November 28th and never returned, according to police. Now, there are a lot of people in my life, in my life, who I would love to see leave and never return again. I'm just not that lucky. <laughs> never happens to me. So his family called to report him missing and said that he was emotionally fragile and obsessed with Tom Brady. Hmm. Detectives said they were concerned by this information, notified law enforcement in Tampa if Zanini would come looking for Brady. Well, turns out Brady had nothing to fear at his Tampa home. Instead of Tampa, he went all the way to Brookline, Massachusetts, where Brady has another home. And his supermodel wife, Giselle Bunchkin. Um, Giselle. 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 Yeah, he butchers everybody's name. Yeah, Giselle. How do you say your last name, Paul? Bunchin. Okay, Giselle Bunchin. Uh, Zianini was found inside the home after setting off several alarms. Obviously, he's never broke into a cigar warehouse. <laughs> well, at least they found him. He was charged with breaking and entering with intent to commit a felony and attempted larceny and trespassing. Congratulations, Mr. Zanini. You are this week's inductee into the cigar insane asylum. So next week, we this is close to another great episode. Thank you, Nick. Thank My you, pleasure. thanks, guys. We have a, I don't even think Coop knows our format for next week, but we have a very, very special show to close out our last show of this crazy year. So why not do a crazy show? Why don't you put up the graphic and announce it, Paul? Next week on KMA will be the Dojo Takeover, hosted by none other than Master Sensei himself, Eric, and Jordan Guttermson. So it's, uh, it's going to be a strange setup i know it says this week that is next week that yeah. is the graphic i had that's that's my fault nice. okay <laughs> where'd you guys find those pictures of eric and jordan like from <laughs> those are great pictures <laughs> that looks like jordan's senior prom picture right? yeah exactly <laughs> and eric shaved and eric shaved for that picture too that had to be a pre like an old an old right, photo right, from some right. time so yeah next week for KMA, awesome. show of the year your host will be Eric and Jordan Gunnarsson from Cigar Dojo. Cigar Dojo will be taking over KMA Talk Radio. It should be hey. interesting. I, I have a call with them after the show today, but I feel like uh, Eric is not going to be forthcoming with questions that they're going to be asking us. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> ah, they'll be good. Abe, uh, we're going to have to premiere uh, Ming versus Master Sensei Part 2 prior we'll, to that show. We'll get it out early, early next week, if not this weekend. And good job. Saga continue. <laughs> so that's next week on KMA Talk Radio. Nick, really awesome to talk to you, to have you on again. Pleasure, and, guys. Uh, stay yeah, in touch as always. It. And yeah, listen, when, when this when this pandemic ends, we seriously want to go to High Clare Castle. I mean, Abe and I have, have seriously talked about it, doing a doing a nice trip there and and doing a broadcast from High Clare. I I think that I don't like to use this word too often, but it would be epic. It would be <laughs> truly epic. Like three years ago, Paul, make it happen. Make it happen. Come on, Paul. Nice we can, we can talk now. about making this happen. Let's I mean, make it, it happen. 2021. It's, Let's go. It's an unbelievable place. I mean, yeah, beyond words. Let's do it. The real Don't question like is, AMA trip. Would, we, would we stay there at the castle? 
I don't. Is that too forthcoming? I, I think it might be a little. For, <laughs> so the, you know, the estate is five thousand acres, but there's a beautiful uh, Highclere Castle Inn at the beginning. Um, oh, perfect! So that's that's where I stay when I go yeah. there. Just yeah. find the stable where they keep any of the horses or the animals. <laughs> throw a little patch of hay, and that's where we'll throw Paul. They're nicer <laughs> than my house. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I a little anyway. I'm small. Yeah, Coop. So, yeah, you, you would love it. You would love it. Once again, thank you for your contribution this week. Thank you. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Smoke some cigars. We'll catch you all next week for the Dojo Takeover. Keep it lit. Good evening, everybody. Honest Abe here from Smoking Headquarters in Boynton Beach, Florida. Kudos to you, Steve, for making one hell of a stick. Well, they actually don't know that the stick's any good at it yet. 